I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, can San Francisco use force to calm its drug epidemic? For the past year and a half, the city's mayor, London Breed, has been arguing that the city needs to take a harder line with the open-air drug markets that are centered in the Tenderloin neighborhood, even if that means arresting not only drug dealers, but their clients, people struggling with addiction. Breed has said, quote, compassion is killing people. She's spoken of tough love. And she said of drug users, quote, we need to use every tool within our disposal to get that person into treatment. Well, now these words are starting to be put into action. In recent weeks, a new team of city police officers has made dozens of arrests on the streets in a bid to shut down those drug markets. But the effort is already raising questions. Critics call it a return to failed war on drugs tactics. And as of Wednesday, no one released after an arrest had accepted an offer of drug treatment. Chronicle City Hall reporter Mallory Mench has been following the story, and she's here. Mallory, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Mallory, the writer Sam Quinones recently wrote in The Atlantic, he's someone who has followed the drug epidemic closely, he, he makes an argument, quote, an arrest can be an act of compassion when the odds are that outside, meth will drive a user mad and fentanyl will kill him, close quote. It seems that Mayor Breed is making the same argument. What do we know so far about how San Francisco police are interacting with drug users under this new initiative? Well, what San Francisco police have done, the police chief told me they've assigned eight officers to a new team. It's overseen by a sergeant that is really focused solely on drug enforcement um, against users for public intoxication, for drug possession. And so far um, in the past three weeks, between May 30th and June 18th, they have had 58 encounters. That's resulted in five people being taken to the hospital 11 people being cited for misdemeanors and 42 people being booked into county jail on these misdemeanors for narcotics intoxication. Um, And they say that a little over one in four people who were booked had outstanding warrants. And what happens once they're in jail? Because these are very minor crimes, they're released quite quickly. So it may be a few hours later um, and they're not always immediately charged with a crime either. And once they're there, um, the sheriff's office and the city say that there is a health services run by the health department in jail. And so what they do is they will offer people, they say, different kinds of treatment, whether withdrawal management, medication to get off drugs or going to rehab. Um, They can also create a plan to connect them with bridge housing, interim housing, or other services. Um, But what they have said is that uh, no one has accepted that um, upon their release. And so the cycle sort of starts over again. Uh, The district attorney has said that she, if these people are picked up three times and they have three citations, then those cases will be bundled together and they'll be sent to an alternative court, not a criminal court, but one that intervenes in cases like these. So we'll see where some of those cases end up. So, Mallory, police are approaching people who are either actively using drugs outdoors or intoxicated, right? Yes, that's right. That's how they're judging it. They did clarify they're not doing any blood tests to, to say, prove if someone is intoxicated once they're detained. But it's on view what they see if someone's using drugs or if they clear signs that someone is intoxicated. But if the goal is to nudge these people into treatment, to, to intervene... I mean, what are they saying about the fact that none of those people, at least so far, have accepted help? 
Well, they've said they sort of have a few different goals in this. So the, I think their main goal really is to shut down open-air drug markets. They're very clear about that. They want to send the message that open-air drug use is not acceptable. The police chief, you know, he says that it's our job as police to enforce the laws. We will try and get people into help, but we we'll also need to work with social services and the health department. That's really their job. He specifically told the police commission arresting people will not solve addiction, but you know, it does send a message that this is not okay and we're simply enforcing our uh, the laws that it's not okay to use drugs on the street. But a few other people, the mayor, the sheriff have said, you know, really when people are getting to rock bottom, then we can intervene. You know, this is a way to nudge people into that direction uh, or really push them more into that direction. So they're uh, somewhat hopeful that people can get help, although they believe there may be some pressure or force that needs to be involved with that. This challenge, though, is nothing new, Mallory. I mean, you wrote a lot about that uh, center that, that San Francisco opened near, near City Hall, the Linkage Center, where people were also offered treatment, and it was very difficult to get people to accept it. That's right. And the police chief actually said uh, a couple weeks ago, though, that he felt that they weren't as forceful, perhaps, as they should have been in getting people to go to that center. But, you know, as anyone who I've spoken with who works with people who have struggled with addiction, people I I know who I, I spoke with, uh, right before making this podcast to struggle with addiction, they try treatment different times, multiple times, you know, different things may work, they may stop using drugs, something may be triggering, they may use again. So it can be a very long journey to recovery um, that might not have any quick or easy fix. Mallory, there is already pushback. What are the critics of the mayor saying about this new crackdown? There are many critics, especially in public health and criminal justice, um, people who have studied this issue, who've worked in it, and they will point to research and say, look, this is really repeating policies that have failed in the past. Forced treatment largely does not work. You know, it may work for some people that they know and that Mayor Breed says she knows who, you know, have gone to jail and have gotten in treatment. Um, But largely forced treatment has been shown to be less effective than voluntary treatment. They also point out, um, and even the city's own overdose prevention plan, which was put out by its health department and signed by Mayor Breed, uh, notes that punitive policies have not been shown to be effective at reducing overdose deaths. Studies have come out that show short-term incarceration when someone's just put in jail for a brief period of time and then they get out after, they're probably in withdrawal, they haven't been using drugs for a certain amount of time, then they'll go and use again, they're at a higher risk of overdose and death at that time, so it can actually be riskier for the people using drugs. And that's because they don't have that tolerance that they, they had because they haven't used drugs for a matter of days, perhaps, or even weeks? That's right, that's right. Mallory, these arrests are part of an effort, I mean, Mayor Breed has said this, to recognize that fentanyl is different from other drugs. It's more addictive. It's more deadly. What do the numbers show about the state of the drug overdose epidemic so far this year? Well, in San Francisco, unfortunately, things are really only getting worse, which some people didn't believe could happen because we saw a huge spike in overdoses in 2020 during the pandemic, and then it started to get a bit better. Um, But so far this year, already 346 people have died of overdoses, and that's a 40% increase over last year. Um, and if those numbers keep up, then the city's on track to, to witness the, the worst death toll on record um, in the past few years. And largely that is due to fentanyl, which you mentioned is, is very deadly and is also being mixed with other drugs. 
Mallory, 346 people through May. Yes, that's right. Just 74 people in May alone, one of the highest tolls. All right, I want to ask you about the debate about the city's approach and how it affects those numbers and also more about Mayor London Breed's crackdown in the Tenderloin and other neighborhoods. First, let's take a quick break on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. If you have a comment or there's a story you think we should cover, let us know. You can email us at fifth, that's F-I-F-T-H, at sfchronicle.com, or leave us a voicemail at 415-777-6156. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bullwood, joined by Chronicle City Hall reporter Mallory Mensch. We're talking about Mayor London Breed's new crackdown on drug use and drug dealing in neighborhoods like the Tenderloin. Part of that is arrests that have become controversial already. Mallory, we were talking about the the overdose numbers, which you said are on track to perhaps set a record in the city this year. There's already a debate about the city's approach and how it's maybe affecting those numbers, right? That's right. And critics of the mayor's plan and and public health experts, they seem pretty united that they believe that this will make things worse or that it already has made things worse, although it's difficult to, to draw correlations immediately. As one addiction medicine doctor at UCSF told me, if you want to increase death, send people to prison. But the response from city officials and those who are trying to fight the crisis on a on a higher level, they say that they are doing this approach and saying that they need to crack down on these deadly drugs because they're killing people, because uh, they believe that this will help to to save people in either curbing the supply or getting people to um, go and get help to stop using drugs. So that is the goal that they have and then the justification um, that they're making for this approach. And what about Breed's critics? What do they want to see in neighborhoods like South of Market, like the Tenderloin? So one of her critics on the Board of Supervisors, who also represents the Tenderloin, and, and they have butted heads over this issue, is Supervisor Dean Preston. He's said to me, you know, we don't want to see people de- dealing drugs on the street, but he doesn't think this is the right approach, um, whether sweeps and arrests of low-level dealers who could perhaps be replaced by the next one on the street corner. Um, he doesn't think that will fix the problem of drug supply um, and demand um, and thinks that Targeting users is not the right approach as well. And so instead, he's proposed spending $10 million on some other non-police interventions on community ambassadors who walk the blocks and discourage drug use and other things, on helping small businesses protect themselves uh, from crime, and on also setting up a street-level drug-dealing intervention team. This is similar to what the city does in violence intervention. So if they're trying to prevent shootings from happening or they respond to shootings and try to resolve things within the community or, or provide support and follow-up um, to you know find out why people in this case are dealing drugs and to try to intervene in that way to come up with more solutions. Mallory, one argument against fighting addiction through this kind of enforcement on the street is that the punishment often falls on poor people of color. Is San Francisco tracking the race of people that it is arresting? So far, and I have asked for the data, but the city's emergency management department, which is under breed and is coordinating 
a bunch of different departments, including police. They have not yet provided a racial breakdown of their arrests, the numbers that I shared at the beginning of this podcast. However, the sheriff's office, which runs the jail, they did provide data on 58 people who were picked up citywide by police and also by a lot of other law enforcement agencies under similar public intoxication and drug laws in the first week of June. And they reported that of that number, 25 people were Latino, 23 were white, 9 were black, and 1 was American Indian. And we should note, very difficult to compare that to a representative population, because that this is not necessarily something that you can compare to the San Francisco population as a whole. But obviously, um, people of color do appear to be somewhat overrepresented there. Another issue has come up regarding the makeup of people arrested for drug offenses. Mallory, the mayor's office came out and broke down how many people were from the city and how many people were from other places and had come into the city and been arrested. What, what's going on there? Yes, this is an interesting point that the mayor's office has volunteered since they began their data reporting. Some people have found this odd or perhaps irrelevant, and others have seized upon it to make a point about the drug crisis and drug tourism in the city, as what as they call it. So the data is that of the first 58 people arrested under this initiative, uh, 8% of them when they came into jail, uh, they told that their address was in San Francisco. Around half of them, 51%, said they came from another California county. And 34%, so just over one in three, were out of state. And the remaining, there were some people who said they came from out of country or didn't identify their residency. So this has ignited some debate. You know, city officials said, well, we thought this was important to include because it shows how complex the problem is. Basically, that this is a problem that is beyond just San Francisco. People are coming into the city uh, to use drugs. That's a known fact. And they say that this data exemplifies that as well. It feels like a way for San Francisco to say, hey, we are taking the brunt of a problem and perhaps we are having to respond to something that's much bigger than us. But it's also being picked up by people who say San Francisco is too lenient and is a magnet for this kind of thing. Definitely. I think some would say maybe this is a problem of San Francisco's own making. If people know that they can come and use drugs here and that's exactly what the, what the mayor wants to stop. But also, Mallory, it's been conflated with homelessness. This is not a, a population, these people that are being arrested, that is representative of the larger homelessness population in San Francisco and where it is from. No, this does not equate at all. Uh, this is just simply people who were arrested for using drugs on the street. It doesn't say, you know, whether they live outside or not or how long they've lived there. Also, all this data is self-reported, so people could make stuff up. Mallory, what's next with the crackdown? What are you watching? What are you going to be looking for as you report on it? What's next will be that some budget d discussions are going on right now. So it's up to the Board of Supervisors whether they approve some funding for these programs. Um, Mayor Breed has set up a unified drug command center. They're the ones putting out these data, and they have put in some budget funding to keep running that um, and to keep up. Um, these efforts. I think what's next is really to continue tracking the data and then to also to assess what kind of impact it has. Do we see anyone accepting treatment? Do we see anyone who has their cases sent to an alternative court? And what is the outcome? And do we see any change on the streets? Uh, the police chief has said multiple times that, you know, arrests really are not our 
goal or metric because you could simply keep arresting people over and over again or increase that and still see no change on the streets. And that's what people in San Francisco really want to see. So that's how they will be measuring their quote unquote success in this endeavor. Mallory, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today. She's San Francisco Chronicle City Hall reporter Mallory Mensch. Thanks to Laura Wenis for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.